0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Effortless Power. I'm Joe, here with Yag, coming at you live with this hot in baseball with even hotter takes. How are you feeling, Yag? I'm
1: doing pretty good. You know, it's a nice, relaxing week. Excited for the weekend. Uh, how about you?
0: I'm doing pretty well. Uh, let's jump right into this. We're very bad at small talk. Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we just want uh, to talk baseball. That's what we're yeah, here yeah, for. I, I,
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I just want to get right into it. I don't want... I don't care how your day is. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we could quick, quick thing that happened a couple minutes ago. Uh, the the Royals signed Hunter Dozier to a four year extension. Hunter Dozier's like twenty nine. He's a late bloomer. Pretty pretty good player. He's he's great for me in fantasy. Like two years ago. Uh, that's that's my main reason I like him. Uh, yeah, I, it's a good deal for the for both teams. I mean for both parties uh yeah i don't really have much to say on it
1: no yeah it's a, it's a good pickup dozier was uh one of their higher touted prospects a top 10 pick um back in 2013 when they selected him it just you know took him a little time take it up to the majors but it's a cheap deal buys out two of his free agent years and it looks really good for the royals they try to make a uh a, um kind of like go in the right direction towards being competitive again uh but what we'll be doing uh, the next couple of weeks, though, we'll be doing offseason uh, recaps for each division. So we'll be starting with the NL West and we'll take uh, a couple minutes on each team talking about what they did in the offseason, uh, you know, a little outlook for this season and how their farm's going. Uh, so we're going to start out with the Los Angeles Dodgers and uh, coming off a World Series when they made the biggest, probably biggest signing of the offseason, adding Trevor Bauer to a three-year, $102 million contract.
0: Yeah, a lot of money up front. Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty good deal for both parties. And it may be the way of the future for the— Yeah, Bauer— I mean, yeah, see Bauer, you know, James do is... it in basketball. It's smart. You can get, uh, like, if Trevor Bauer continues to play in an elite level, he'll make more money than, say, even, like, Garrett Cole, potentially.
1: Yeah, the way his contract's structured, he gets a $10 million signing bonus— Uh, up front on top of a $28 million base salary, and he can opt out after this year. So even though the full deal is, you know, over $100 million, it could just be a one-year contract for Bauer. Uh, He can opt out after this season and the 2022 season. So it's basically three one-year deals put together. I I don't know if he's going to play it out, but it'll be interesting to see. And I do think you could be right. This could be a way teams... um you know, structure their contracts in the future as a way to save money. You know, you're sacrificing uh, control over him, but then you don't have to worry about paying overpaying in his uh, older years. So I do like it on that and with that aspect. And again, you know, when you're able to add a player as good as Trevor Power, you don't care about the luxury tax. The Dodgers have shown that they're willing to spend if it brings them wins.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh... The the Dodgers also made a couple more signings. They mainly 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 re-signed. They re-signed Justin Turner. Uh, he he really likes it there. I don't think he had any plan to really leave. And Blake Trennan, Trinan, whatever. Uh, he's a really pitcher. He's had some great years and some not so great years. But he's a, he's a solid reliever. They added uh, Tommy Cainhill or whatever his name is to and. Um, Corey Knabel, which are both short-term relief pitchers, it could work out. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I, the Dodgers, I, I do it's hard really to doubt like the Dodgers the, at this point.
1: I do really like the Knabel signing. Um, back when he was on the Brewers, he had a lot of talent before getting hurt. And to put into perspective, he was so good that even with Josh Hader on the team, the Brewers still used Knabel as the... Uh, Penn ace, you know, he was their go-to high leverage guy. So even, you know, that's what you can look forward to as a Dodger fan, that when he was healthy, you know, not too long ago, this was maybe two seasons ago, he was the preferred pitcher to Josh Hader. So that's, you know, if the Dodgers needed any more help, you know, they could potentially have a really good new pen arm and an already strong uh, relief corps.
0: Their team as a whole, they have a lot of a lot of good options everywhere. They 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 can pretty much have a player get hurt at every position, and they'll have a guy that that will take their place and play just as well. They're nuts. Uh, they have the amount of depth they've had. They they can make. They have. You you're gonna see generally the same players on the field for twenty twenty one. I I don't. Yeah, there's not there's not many changes. Uh, I guess Trevor Bauer on the, the hill uh and you probably see more gavin lock uh, talk but, about you want to talk about the prospects for them well or? i was
1: also going to say they do we got to remember they get david price back because we forget oh, yeah. that you know with price opting out last season that's another really strong arm that they're technically adding for the offseason just because he decided not to uh play in the short in 2020 season so they will get david price and that their rotation is really strong i mean not only do you have you know, Walker Buehler and Clayton Kershaw at the top, but you know, you're adding Trevor Bauer in, you get David Price back, you have Julio Urias, Dustin May, uh, Tony Gonsolin all on staff as well. So they're just filled with uh, options for the rotation and then in their bullpen you know they have some strong arms that have had experience in the past working out the rotation with caleb ferguson uh produced gratterall so they do have so many options on the pitching side that yeah like you said they can withstand a lot of injuries crazy depth it's really impressive what the dodgers have been able to put together yeah, take a look at the padres it's likely going to be the uh, biggest competition for the dodgers this year the padres You know they had a really really uh headline filled off season you know the blake snell trade darvish trade they pick up joe musgrove they sign him uh, out of korea Uh, you know they bring in a few pen arms as well and you know the padres are really going all in Saying this is, this is our year. They want they want to be the ones that end the Dodgers uh, string of NL West titles.
0: I don't know if you remember this, but this I just got But It was like five or six years ago. Everyone was saying how the Padres won the offseason. Oh man, they made all these good deals that they're gonna be really good going in next year. And every single deal they made turned into a disaster.
1: But let let's let's just look back at those deals. They added, what was it, Matt Kemp? Justin yep. Upton and Craig Kimbrell, right?
0: Yeah, that was it.
1: So is that is that you Darvish, Blake Snell, Joe Mustrove, Kayson Kim? Do, did the Padres at that time, did they also have Fernando Tatis, uh, Manny Machado, no, uh, you know, just, Eric Hosmer? It's a little it's a little different. I mean, the Padres, they did all that after finishing under five hundred. This time, yeah. they're doing it all after making the playoffs.
0: Let's just go into the deals they made. Mm-hmm. They signed Fernando Tatis to a 14-year, $780 billion contract. Uh, it makes sense for uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. I, we have both have talked about it before. We're not the biggest fans of this deal. Uh, for the Padres, He, uh, the way contracts are structured, you basically have four years. You have six years from when a player starts his MLB career where you have control over him until he hits free agency. The Padres still have four years left with Tatis before they they have to really make any decision on him leaving or not. And they just decided that they're, they're not gonna make that decision. They, they made that decision. And I don't know how, I it's just, it's just, it doesn't, it seems unnecessary. I, I at least wait like two year, years, see how the team's doing then, and then, and then sign the crazy extension.
1: But to, I don't even. Yeah, there was there was no sense of urgency on the Padre's side. I mean, they're gonna be paying him a lot more than they needed to, uh, you know, short term and then long term. This contract just like I think it ends in, like, 2035 or something. So Fernando Tatis Jr. is going to be a Padre for a long time. And at the beginning, though, even, even this year, he, he, he won't make much. From 2025 on, he's making $20 million plus. So this is a lot of money giving out for a basically a year of playing time. They're going to be paying him, you know, $36 million when, from 30 to 35 and that's you know that's when you start seeing decline so there's a lot of potential dead money in this contract and I know one of the things I'm worried about with Tatis is he's a I don't want to like say he's not as good as he looks but I, I am really I do think this is the best um we're ever going to see Tatis play so I know one of the things we've talked about in the fast are his expected stats so I'll let you explain those a little because that's you know one of the more worrying sides of him. Uh,
0: so X stats are, are pretty interesting. Basically what they do is they take your your bat, your bat, um, launch angle and your exit velocity and based off those two stats alone they, could, they come up with a bunch of numbers of what your stats should be. So if you have a high launch angle versus a low launch angle versus you smack the ball versus you hit it lightly, they'll factor all that in and come up with a batting average for you. Now, usually speedsters will outdo their X stats because that like, for example, if they assume that everyone runs at the same speed, so Tatis obviously does not, so he will beat his X stats, but uh, it's it gets complicated because he absolutely crushes his X stats. His his batting average is always significantly higher. And there's a there's a, there's and not only that if you look at his babib. It's also he he overforms that too. So there's a lot of regression that could potentially happen. I don't I don't think it's enough to
1: really be scared, but it's it's just there. Yeah, and the another issue too with Hattie is he's very his style of play is very injury prone, and when you're uh you know you can't predict injuries. Anyone could get hurt, but it's the things he does that you know are high predictors of future injury issues. So. It's not a knock on him because he does hustle a lot. You know, he's a really athletic player. He's going to go 100% all the time, which, again, that's a good thing, but it's not a good thing when you're trying to project that, how that's going to turn out when he's in his 30s. So, again, all that hustle, all the, you know, stress on your body, it takes its toll as opposed to, you know, some of his other teammates who may not hustle as much. You know, it doesn't, you don't have to worry about his athleticism declining as much. Tatis, you know, hard nosed into everything lots of diving lots of sliding all that kind of stuff and you know that's what you like to see in a 22 year old like he is now but that's not something you can uh, you know expect towards the end of his contract and the crazy thing is like with how he is you know he just destroys the ball and everything but he's already at the top there's not much room to grow in terms of Exit velocity, hard hit percentage, expected, and you know most of the expected stats. barrel percentage, sprint speed—they're all like in the top three percent of MLB players. So you already see that there's not much more he can improve on. Tatis right now is probably as good as he's ever gonna be, and his speed, his athleticism—you know, the strength he has—that isn't gonna be there forever. That doesn't stay. That's something that ages poorly and that's why with Tatis I'm worried you know we see elite performance for 140 games and then they're like okay we're just gonna give him 14 years doesn't matter that it's that short of a time and yeah he's been amazing in his 140 games but is is that enough to justify 14 years of commitment to one player
0: I don't think it is
1: yeah, and Athena's with the Padres, too. Like, they they have a ton of talent in their farm system. So, usually, uh, you know, most teams don't have a top 10 shortstop prospect in their organization. But guess what? The Padres do. And there's no room in their infield. So, the, the guy is CJ Abrams. Uh, he was their first-round pick in 2019. Really fast, you know, ton of offensive skills, really good fielder, something that, Tatis isn't necessarily. Tatis is an okay shortstop. But, you know, with Machado at third, Hosmer at first, you know, you just sign Hason Kim to play second. There's no room to move Tatis off of short. Machado's going to be there most of the time with Tatis, and they're really betting on him playing short. So, you know, with Abrams, they have someone they could have replaced Tatis with. Instead, they're, you know, they're going to try to move him to the outfield. But there was, again, no need. Tatis isn't going anywhere. They have other options, but they're really committed to this kid. And at least from a fan's perspective, if you're a Padres fan, this is good because it shows how how committed the Padres are to winning. Something the Padres usually aren't committed to. There hasn't been too much success in the Padres franchise, you know, other than Tony Gwynn. They haven't really had many, you know, uh, noticeable, marketable stars. So I can see it from. That perspective, from a baseball perspective, I still wish they still
0: wish they waited a little. Uh, other signings, they did some minor stuff. Uh, they signed Kobe. Can- I can't say his first name, but Kella. He played in the Pirates and the, Tex- the Texas Rangers. He's he's pretty good. He's got a lot of upside. And same with Mark Millan. They just signed a couple, like uh, high high upside relievers. Uh, and they resigned Profar. But that's about it. In terms of signing, where they really made their damage was in their trades. We talked about earlier how they traded for Yu Darvish, which makes me very sad as a Cubs fan. Yeah, it makes it makes a great deal of sense for them. They didn't give up much prospects. What they really give up is they have to eat the rest of that contract. Uh, and then they, they also got Mike Clev. that was over the regular season, who I know you don't really like because he's so injury prone. But I'm... I'm I'm, I still, I still have hope for the guy if he just can somehow manage to stay healthy because most of his injuries aren't like elbow or stuff. It's like weird kind of freak accidents. Like he's had a foot, a foot injury that ruined a lot of his career. It's like, it's a bunch of little, it's like, like it's not, there's no injury. It's not like he's gotten like five Tommy John surgeries. So, so yeah. And then finally they, they traded for Blake Snell to the dismay of, uh, race fans everywhere. Uh, I hate that deal for the Rays still. I, I really don't like it. They they should be winning now. Mm-hmm. It's only like eleven million dollars, and Blake yeah. Snell is worth way more than that. They also traded for Greg Allen. That's a big deal.
1: <laughs> did they end up? I feel like they had they they, they got rid of him though. I don't know. No, I, I just
0: read something that they they they, they have him again. Oh, they oh, got. They, a, they, I, I thought they I thought they DFA'd him. Mm. Didn't he go to the Yankees? Hold on. I think well he's back in the Padres.
1: No way, no
0: way. Looking to 2021, you're gonna see a couple new faces, but generally the same guys. Uh the the second baseman is gonna be a new thing, Kim. Get get used to him. He's he's got a lot of outside. Uh I'm I love that signing. I, I think that's my favorite Padres signing. I uh, maybe my favorite deal they made. I just I just love I love guys like that because you really have no idea what you're getting. He could be an absolute monster, and I'm excited to watch him play. Yeah, do uh, you want to talk about the prospects? I know yeah, you, I mean, the, have, the Padres' know, the, the whole farm system them.
1: is absolutely loaded, and they have, in my opinion, the most valuable player in all of baseball and Mackenzie Gore. So uh, Gore is a lefty... Uh, they, he's six, four, really big, skinny guy. They took him in the first round of the 2017 draft, committed their highest ever franchise, uh, draft bonus to him. He got almost $7 million to skip out on college. Um, but this kid is just loaded with talent. He's young, but he's already ready to pitch in the big leagues. He turned 22 just a few days ago. He has four, quality big league pitches. He has a really hard upper 90s fastball, really good slider changeup, and his curveball gets lots of swing and misses. Uh, He was just really good in 2019, even pitching at two really uh, hitter-friendly levels in uh, advanced A and double A. He finished with a 169 ERA and 080. And just of any pitcher in the minors who threw at least a hundred innings, his ERA and WHIP were the lowest. So this is everyone, even those guys, even those twenty-five year olds in rookie ball playing against you know guys that they faced in high that what would, they would have faced in high school. He still had the lowest ERA and WHIP, and this is a guy pitching higher competition two years ago. So this isn't the twenty-one year old Gore. This is the twenty-year-old Gore doing it. There's just unlimited upside for this kid. He's super athletic, really nice windup, and just if you haven't seen him pitch, watch him like. If you're a Padres fan, you should be as excited for Mackenzie Gore as I am. This is the one guy that they would not budge on in any trade talks, and the Padres have moved so many talented prospects. We'll talk more about Luis Patino when we cover the Rays, but he is huge, high upside young kid. He's probably going to be top 20 prospect, uh, you know, in all of baseball. But they will refuse to give up a non-starter. He's got a ton of upside. If you could have any player in your organization. Oh, yeah, yeah, Anderson Espinoza. So that's another guy I really like. He hasn't thrown a pitch since 2016. But this kid, he's still just 20. Back then, he was throwing 98 as a 19-year-old. He was a highly touted prospect for the Red Sox top 50. He was in the Drew Pomeranz trade back in 2016. There's a little drama behind this uh, with A.J. Preller uh, not disclosing medical history of Pomeranz. It's kind of ironic how Pomeranz ended up not having injury issues. Espinosa has gone through Tommy John surgery twice. But, you know, he's a really good bounce-back candidate. He's really young. Still, you know, uh, if his arm can stay healthy, he's just another amazing pitching prospect that the Padres have been able to identify. He's dropped in prospect ratings. He's going to have a little less pressure on him, and you know, I'm really excited to see him throw again. It's been far too long. He's a really exciting young prospect. Still,
0: all right. Let's move on to the the Giants. Unless you have any final words about their prospects,
1: Uh, I mean the the Padres' farm system is so good. I could spend. Spent hours talking on it, but a few other guys just to, I guess, touch on. Adrian Morijan's another really good pitcher. They have Luis Camposano, a uh, catcher in the majors. He's one of their uh, highest-touted guys, but there's just a lot of good arms, both uh, young arms in the majors and waiting in the wings. So the Padres, they're, they're built to win for a while, even with moving a lot of their younger pieces.
0: Uh, all right, let's go on to the Giants. Uh, the giants are a dark horse of the division. I think four, but I think they, they, I mean, I wouldn't bet on it, but they have a shot to make the playoffs this year. It's not a big one, but it's a shot. If I was a Giants fan going into twenty twenty one, I would not be down in the dumps. I, I you guys have a chance. Uh, yeah, the, they made a lot of move. They made. They're one of the most active teams this off season. They've signed a lot of guys, a lot of minor league deals, but even like a, a lot of major league deals too. All pretty much all low. No, no like huge crazy signing.
1: But they got a lot of guys with high upside. Uh, and I, I like what they did a lot. Yeah, the Giants GM. Uh, Farhan Zaidi, he came from the Dodgers and he was a big reason that they were able to identify players like, you know, Chris Taylor, Max Muncie. So Zaidi's, they like to call him a dumpster diver, but he's really good at finding marginal players that could be used better in other organizations. So he's already been able to find, you know, guys like Donovan Solano, Alex Dickerson, Mike Ostremsky, you know, thrown off players from other organizations and gotten them to perform well. Same thing kind of on the pitching side. You know, they are able to fix Kevin Gossman. They brought him back for another year. But no, they've added a lot of players. They're trying to just figure out who they can get to stick. A lot of, you know, pitchers. They added Jake McGee, uh, Anthony Scalfani from the Reds, Alex Wood from the Dodgers. They added Matt Weisler, too. You know, a lot of new arms, including potentially the Best pitcher in all of baseball, the American League 2016 oh, guy, crown champion, Aaron Sanchez. You know, obviously he is amazing. You know, he's my favorite player, if you can't tell. But even that nonwithstanding good signings, I mean, they're getting guys to keep the ball on the ground throw hard and generate double plays and that's what guys like you know Jake Mickey, Aaron Sanchez are able to do. The Giants brought in their um, fences to increase offense so now they're trying to find pitchers that can keep the ball in the park. I do like what the Giants are doing. I don't think it's their time yet, but they do have a lot of talented. Uh, players, you know, they'll have Joey Bart with Buster Posey catching. It's a pretty nice catcher duo, and then a, a decent amount of prospect ready. So I think they just need to keep finding, you know, the building blocks and wait for their star type players to come up through the system.
0: You think Buster is gonna take uh, Joey Bart under his wing, or is he gonna be like, Nah, I'm competing with you? B-?
1: I think uh, no. I think he'll. I think he'll uh, be more of a mentor to him. I can't. I can't see Posey being like that. Um, I mean, they're both, I guess they are both catchers, so you they know that they can't play on the team together, but I, I don't know, Posey's old, he's been playing for so long, I can see him being okay with the, uh you know, sh- uh, lessened playing time, because they'll still use both a lot, and I think it will help Bart, if, you know, Posey's okay getting him under the wing
0: yeah i agree I, I i don't know we'll never know though i mean a lot of these dudes are hell are the most competitive people on the planet they don't want to give up their spots yeah but
1: I, you, I, you're not wrong but this is the three-time world series champion six-time all-star he's already he's been so good and knowing that the giants probably won't be a you know a pennant contender i can see Posey being okay giving up some of his playing time uh to Bart and I think it, for the Giants they they really want that because uh, Joey Bart is really really good um, you know it's hard to find a catcher that can hit and play defense and you know that's why they took him second overall back in 2018 I mean this guy he can do everything massive power really good behind the plate you know it's going to be really helpful for their pitching staff if he's able to develop under uh, Posey's tutelage
0: any other prospects you want to talk about
1: Uh, Yeah, so some of the interesting guys that are at least close to the big leagues, uh, Helio Ramos, he was their first round pick in 2017. It was kind of an off the wall pick. A lot of people didn't really expect it. He played in Puerto Rico. So, you know, not as many scouts are out there. There's not as much uh, competition. He doesn't play as many games. So there's just less time to see him. But I mean, they've They've really found a good player with him. He doesn't have the particular, uh, you know, frame of an outfielder. He kind of looks like a football player. Uh, he's a little short, a little st- uh, not not necessarily stocky, but he's strong, decent power, still good speed. He's one of those guys that does everything right, but nothing great. So he's, you know, he should be major league everyday outfielder next year, if not this year. But if they are competing, I could see him being a big reason why. Further down the line, though, they have uh, Marco Luciano, who is really, really good. He's young. I think he's 19, um, if not 18 even. Uh, They signed him out of the Dominican Republic a few years ago. This kid is amazing. It's hard to project teenagers, but when he's already hitting 400 feet home runs and just knocking the ball across the field, it's hard not to get excited for someone as good as him. It's really rare seeing a team's top prospect as young as him, and that just shows how much potential this guy has. There are little concerns if he's going to stick at short. He's definitely got the arm there so he can uh you know slide over to third if the range isn't there, but the bat is what's his calling card. If he keeps hitting like he does now... They'll find a position for him, no matter what. Whether it's in the infield or the outfield, this kid's gonna hit a lot of home runs. And for a team that saw Brandon Crawford as their starting shortstop for a while, they'll be—you'll be excited when you see Marco Luciano out there instead.
0: The Colorado Rockies—they, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I think, the elephant in the room is the fact that when talking about free agent signings, the fact that they haven't signed anyone since daniel murphy in 28 which is great they haven't signed i mean they've signed minor league deals they haven't signed a major league deal but the, the the one big news coming out of the the rockies organization is that ian desmond has opt out of the <laughs> 2021 season which is an absolute blessing if you're if you're a rockies fan right now that it could not be better they free up like it's like free up like 17 million dollars which will be huge in trading story. I think that's the the biggest reason. So they could potentially get more prospects using that money. Yeah, I mean, there's really not that much to to say about them. They didn't do
1: anything. I didn't like the Arenado trade. I feel like they could have gotten so much more. I mean, I'm not a big fan of the prospects. I guess a lot of people kind of like Mateo Gill. He came from the Cardinals. He's a middle infielder. The, The big piece it looked like they got back was Austin Gomber, who was, you know, a young starting, controllable starting pitcher. I'm a big fan of his you know he should be a good major leaguer but he has fly ball tendency it doesn't really make sense why the rockies would want someone that gives up a lot of fly balls i mean that's what kills you in colorado you know it's really easy to hit a home run there so if you got a guy who you know lives off of fly balls which works perfectly in st louis but not when you're in colorado so it just it's puzzling to me that they trade their big star. They don't really get much in terms of prospects, but what they do get is something that doesn't fit their system. Kind of like when they signed Ian Desmond, a ground ball hitter, yeah. <laughs> at Coors Field. So I, I don't want exactly, yeah, yeah. I don't want to like go off on the Rockies, but I don't like the direction they're going. I know you really think they're gonna trade Trevor Story, but the Rockies don't really do anything. I mean. Their owner kind of just likes to complain. I feel like that's most of what happens in the off season. He's like, you <laughs> know, he says not. his piece and then, you know, they don't really make any moves. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Trevor Story ends the year as a Rocky. I think they should trade him. They should have traded him already. Now he's a rental. He's a really good shortstop, and they're not going to get what he's worth. Um, but, you know, the Rockies, it's it's tough. The the big league team is not that great. The farm system doesn't have much. I mean, they got Brendan Rodgers. He's really good. But again, Trevor Story's playing short right now. They'll probably move him to second. Uh, he's definitely good enough to play short. But they got him. They got Zach Veen, and that's pretty much it. There's not much hope for the Rockies you know, past their top guys. Uh, there's, I know one of the pitchers we've seen pitched, Ryan Castellani. He's basically a Max Scherzer clone, and that's kind of what the Rockies are going for. They got this guy just because he throws exactly like Max Scherzer. He looks exactly like Max Scherzer. It's just he doesn't pitch as good as Max Scherzer. So the Rockies, you know, they're... I just, I don't see... I don't see much getting better for the Rockies you know I hope for them they can it's just it's hard to build a picking staff at Coors Field and you know they have Herman Marquez who I really want the Blue Jays to get because I think he could amazing anywhere else you know same with guys like John Gray, Kyle Freeland but they just they keep they keep them and they haven't really gone a direction they're kind of stuck in roster purgatory and when you have the Dodgers and Padres in your division you should just think hmm maybe we can't keep up with those teams. I
0: think it's just too logical. I, th- I think, I don't even know who, maybe the shareholders, someone's gonna get involved and tell these, get these, these Rockies, uh, uh, like upper management that they need to trade these players. They need to just scrap it all because <laughs> uh, they have like three years left with Herman Marquez. I think they have one or two years with jo- uh, John Gray. Mm-hmm. Uh, like four years with with Kyle Freeland. And honestly, I don't see them in four years being competitive. So I think they should just trade all of them. And they could get some pretty good prospects from it. And who knows, potentially uh, do something. Just, just do something. Yeah. <laughs> do yeah, something. It's,
1: <laughs> it's the hardest thing in baseball is when you're kind of stuck in that middle ground where you can do both things and you wait too long to make a decision and then you're kind of just stuck. Um, but there, there are some things to be looking forward to if you're a Rockies fan. Uh, I, I'm a big Garrett Hampson fan. He's got a lot of speed, good contact tool, but again, he won't hit too many home runs. He's still one of those more ground ball type guys that you don't really get as much advantage of course field with them. And, uh, but you know, the Rockies, have a tough, tough year ahead of him. I hope, I hope they trade Story. I hope they get something good for him because they do have good pieces. Like there are, there is a lot of talent on the Rockies. It's just, it's not enough for them to come.
0: Exactly. I think that's a great way of
1: putting it. There's no, yeah, the, the depth, that's again, their depth's kind of broken. They have, it's not even like a stars and scrubs type thing anymore. It's like, you know, you got half a big league roster of above average players and then half well below
0: yeah it's a great way of putting it there's some players that they they put on the field that have no business but all right let's i think that's about it on the the rock ready to go on the the final team the diamondbacks do yeah, so you let's, have any final statement no no uh, let's go to the yeah as as a rockies fan going into 2021 i would not be optimistic and <laughs> i would not be optimistic about the future now the diamondbacks have also kind of been in this weird purgatory but their purgatory makes more sense they for for a couple of years, they were always they would always like seem like they had no chance, and then all of a sudden they hit a winning streak, and all of a sudden they're like in the run for the playoff. And that happened a couple of years. They always didn't make it, <laughs> or they did make it, or got it out immediately. And wait, no, they never made it. Never mind. uh,
1: uh Diamond Max no.
0: But yeah, this offseason they didn't do much. They just signed a couple of relievers. Uh, I like their their contracts. I I like what their GM's doing. Uh, he seems to you be. Know, he seems. He seems to be competent. Uh, yeah, he signed Tyler Clippard, Joachim Soria, and Chris Stravinsky, who are all, like, relievers with decent to up to upper uh, upside. I, I could see him potentially flipping them around the midseason as rentals get something for him. One more deal they got is they got Zdruble uh, Carrera. It's not really that big of a deal, but you'll see him. He's a utility infielder.
1: Yeah, and he hits well. He was big reason to... Nationals did well in the playoffs he's one of those guys he'll be useful to a team once they know that they have that need because when you get injuries during the season you don't always have someone that you're comfortable picking up from triple-a as Rubel Cabrera can do everything around the infield he hits the you know the guys like him so it's good for a rebuilding team but the the Diamondbacks do seem to be shaped up pretty well for the future what I like for them is a lot of their weaknesses in the majors are covered by their farm system. So right now, their biggest weakness is their outfield. They have David Peralta in left field. He's pretty good, but he's only there for the rest of the year. I would be surprised if they don't find a taker for him. He's a good lefty bat, nice power, capable defender. Someone should want him. But then the rest of the outfields, Tim Lacastro and Cole Calhoun. So really not that strong, but they're You know, three of their top five prospects are outfielders. I'm a huge Corbin Carroll fan. He was their 2019 first-round pick. Uh, He looked good in short-season ball his first year as a high schooler. And, you know, he probably would have advanced even pretty high this year if there was a farm system. He gets a lot of comparisons to the outfielders. The Red Sox tend to like. They're a little short but really athletic, hit well, play good defense, run well, you know. He's not movie bats, but think, you know, prime, or like Andrew Benintendi before 2020, that's kind of Carroll's floor. Really good hitter. Again, just like Benintendi, uh, you know, lefty, good power, a lot of speed, he'll stay in center, Uh, really just filled with talent. I think maybe a 15-30 player, potentially, you know, power that we might see develop as he uh, gets older. He's only, you know, 20 now, a lot of room to grow. But they also have uh, Alec Thomas, a Chicago kid. He went to Mount Carmel. Um, He was a second round pick a few years ago. His uh, dad uh, is a coach for the White Sox. Uh, So, you know, he has that baseball pedigree. They're pretty high on him. He's similar to Carroll, good speed. Uh, just not as good. Good hitter, just not as good. Uh, another lefty, very very similar type of players, and then they also have Christian Robinson, who's just complete opposite. This kid has been in baseball for a while. He signed pretty young, uh, back in twenty seventeen out of the Bahamas, and he used to look like that prototypical, uh, you know, outfielder. A lot of speed, not much power, good contact. He was a little shorter um but once he signed uh he slimmed down grew a bit added strength and now he just has so much power he's really transformed into the more uh traditional corner outfielder despite still having the speed and ability to play in center um you know he's got i'd say probably 30 30 home run power especially at chase fields uh pretty good park to hit at and um even a little funny little antidote in uh, at at chase field they have a little pool uh that's really hard to get to in the outfield and he had consecutive uh, batting practice home runs there in their alternate side so it's uh pretty impressive his power um you know he's same age as thomas you know he's twenty year old kid ton of big league potential, and you know these guys sh- aren't gonna be uh aren't gonna take too long to get up to the big leagues. And, you know, the Diamondbacks won't be afraid to call them up when they're ready. Um, So that's something I really like that they've done. Again, they also, they even have a few good pitchers. One kid I really like is Blake Walston. He was their first-round pick back in 2019. He's just the classic projectable lefty. He's 6'5", you know, kind of skinny, not too big. Uh throws really hard. He's got a nice mid-90s fastball. Good curveball, good slider. His changeup isn't great. Um, they're working on that. But if he if he turns into a four-pitch pitcher, this is a top of the rotation guy. They can pair with Zach Allen, who I think is one of the best pitchers in the game. But you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of hope in the future for the Diamondbacks. It's just they're stuck in a tough division. Cause the Padres and Dodgers don't look like they're going anywhere soon. They just got to be patient. Don't don't rush their process that they've committed to now. You know, after trading away guys like Zach Granke and Paul Goldschmidt, they just got to stick to their plan. And I think the Diamondbacks could be in a pretty good position in the next few years.
0: Uh, this has been Effortless Power with Joe and Yag. Hope you guys enjoyed. See you next week where we talk about the NL Central with the special guest, Andrew Wheeler. All right. Uh, see ya.